0: Fly another
1: go all the wind and what they lost. We've been down for way too long, getting tired of holding on. I remember, nights that I was lonely, far from being holy. Had to keep it on me, sorry they broke you. Had to keep my guard. Oh, i some liquor for, for the ones we lost. And I'm so grateful for oh, that. Some of my niggas never really got that shot. Let them down, I make them proud the way I move You know how I appreciate everything I do
0: Down it out, falling in
2: Reason to believe that there's something novel spreading there. I think at the outset of that uh, outbreak in China, when the reports first surfaced, we didn't have a lot of information. The World Health Organization expressed frustration uh, that China wasn't being forthcoming. And it's more of the same. I mean, China needs to Chinese government needs to be more forthcoming when these things do uh, arise so that they can help inform other countries because inevitably what's spreading there is gonna spread in other parts of the world and we all need to be working together. So I think some of the initial concerns uh, that something novel could be spreading in China were fa- well-founded because China just wasn't being forthcoming, the Chinese government. There's no reason to believe that
3: The World Health Organization has asked China for detailed information on a spike in respiratory illnesses and clusters of pneumonia in children. Its China office has called the data request a routine check and it comes after China's National Health Commission reported the increase at a news conference last week. The country and the WHO were both criticised for a lack of transparency in the early days of the coronavirus pandemic. So, is there cause for concern now? Well, our health correspondent, Martin Stew, has been looking at this for us. Martin, should we be worried? What's going on? Well,
4: Since October, China has been seeing this sort of spike in flu-like illnesses, and there are reports and videos circulating on social media which appear to show crowded paediatric wards, particularly in northern China, although geographically spread quite far apart, up to 800 miles and pictures like this obviously spark fears when we saw what was going on with covid but what exactly is going on well the official line as you alluded to coming out of china is that we're seeing a mix of respiratory diseases including things like flu covid rsv and something called uh, microplasma which is a common bacterial infection which affects younger children but there is skepticism isn't there internationally of what china says and that potentially is why the who the world health organization has said to China, please, we'd like to see some more information and some more data so we can understand and get a picture of exactly what is going on. They're also recommending people in China take sensible precautions, things like make sure your vaccinations are updated, washing your hands and wearing masks as well.
5: And how worried then should the rest of us be about this?
4: Well, obviously, that's the big question. What Top Virologist is saying today is you're right to be cautious, but there isn't a need to panic at the moment. By far and away, the most likely reason for what we're seeing going on is the fact that this is the first winter since China came out of lockdown. Remember, their lockdown was longer, it was stricter than almost anywhere else in the world. And what we've seen elsewhere in the world, including here, is that first winter after you've been in lockdown, infections really spike, particularly amongst children who didn't get contact with viruses and germs and all those sorts of things that they would do normally so do we think that is what's going on and when you look at the fact that it is predominantly children who are becoming sick although that may sound concerning if you're a parent it's probably good news because it means it's most likely to be that uh, you immunity debt as they call it what's going on and the fact that adults aren't really getting ill implies they've already got some form of immunity. So it's likely to be existing conditions rather than a new novel pathogen or virus, which is what would be much more concerning. That said, testing is still really important. And I think that is one of the main reasons why the WHO have said, please, 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 can we have more data just so we can make sure that we're monitoring things. Now, when the histories of Boris Johnson's time in Downing Street are written, much of his legacy will hinge on his handling of the pandemic, of course. Today, at the COVID inquiry, he tried to limit the damage to his reputation. He admitted he should have twigged much sooner the extent of the crisis. But he claimed the scientific predictions underestimated it too. On the so-called toxic atmosphere in Downing Street, that is just what happens in politics, he said, especially among super-confident, egotistical people who externalise the crushing anxiety of the crisis by criticising others. Quite the explanation. Mr Johnson appeared close to tears, though, when describing 2020 as a tragic, tragic
5: year.
6: (sighs) Just after seven this morning, a former Prime Minister arrives hours early. Not exactly for his time in court, but to be interrogated by the judicial inquiry he created to investigate what went right and wrong in his management of the COVID 19 pandemics. I swear by Almighty God
1: that the evidence I shall give shall be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Then came the apology we've been briefed to expect, but not without a hitch. I'm sorry. I am for the the pain and the loss and the suffering
3: sit down. of please, the
1: please stop. Covid God, victims.
7: Please sit down. I'm sorry, if you don't sit down, I'm going to ask the ushers to get you to leave.
6: So temporarily, the focus switched to the bereaved protesters, now outside the building.
0: The bereaved are meant to be at the heart of this inquiry, and we're not being listened to, and by holding up signs and standing silently
8: we were still asked to move to leave
6: the inquiry needs all the evidence to decide what lessons can be learned some is missing
9: do you know why your phone was missing those 5,000 odd whatsapps it's something
1: to do with the app going down and then
6: coming up again the inquiry's lawyer wanted to establish precisely what the former prime minister held himself responsible for were there things that we should
1: have
9: done differently unquestionably do you take responsibility for the lockdown decisions whichever way they went and their timeliness whatever my lady makes for, of them the manner in which patients were discharged from hospitals into the care sector of course the explosion of the virus within the residential care sector. The general speed at which the restrictions were eased. Yes.
6: On the first of two days of Boris Johnson's appearance, the big question was why the government did so little before March 2020 to protect us from the virus that was surging towards us from January onwards from China. In that period,
1: January really to the, to the end of, of, of February, um, towards the end of, of February um, Covid was pretty much like a cloud on the horizon no bigger than a man's hand and you, you didn't know whether it was going to turn into a, a typhoon or not and I certainly did didn't. I was unsure.
6: Then he was asked about all those civil servants and advisors who've been saying the government was incompetent.
9: Your own chief advisor, Mr. Cummings, described on the 4th of May something the government had done as being the best success of the whole criminally incompetent government performance. How, how could that be a good thing? If we'd had a load of WhatsApp saying, aren't we doing brilliantly, folks?
1: Uh, isn't this going well? I think y- your criticisms might have been, frankly, even
9: uh, more pungent. Your own Private Secretary Imran Shafi recorded in his notebook that on Thursday the 19th of March you said we're killing the patient to tackle the tumour large people who will die why are we destroying everything for people who will die anyway soon bed blockers is that not indicative of a absence of consistent position by you what I was uh, saying which is the the
1: truth which is that in order to Uh, to drive down the virus, to stamp out the virus. You you have to do things that are going to be very
6: damaging in all sorts of other ways. As for the hundreds of thousands of people suffering from long COVID,
9: you questioned for quite some time whether or not that condition truly existed, and you equated it to Gulf War Syndrome uh, repeatedly. Is that fair? The words uh, that I scribbled in
1: uh, the margins of submissions about uh, long COVID have obviously been now publicised, and I'm sure that they have caused a hurt and offence to a huge numbers of people who who do indeed suffer from that syndrome. And I I, I regret very much uh, using that language. Do you want
10: to apologise to me, Mr Johnson?
6: His strategy today was to say sorry while simultaneously trying to justify pretty much everything he did.
11: At hospital emergency rooms, the sick children just keep coming, from toddlers to teens, mostly with respiratory infections, including pneumonia. now this mother says and the fever is back health officials say the surge is happening not just here in Beijing but in clusters across northern China this is one of the biggest children's hospitals in this city and it's full of kids who are coughing hooked up to IV bags are still waiting to get treatment the headlines here about a respiratory disease outbreak triggered alarm bells and prompted the world health organization to ask Chinese authorities for answers The WHO said China shared its data that showed no sign of a new disease so far, saying in a statement, the reported symptoms are common to several respiratory diseases, unlike a then unknown virus that emerged in Wuhan four years ago that unleashed the COVID pandemic. Back then, China was criticized for a lack
3: of transparency.
7: Hospital waiting rooms, especially in Beijing and China's north, are full of kids sick with respiratory infections including pneumonia. The surge in illness made headlines in China and set off alarm bells abroad. So last week the World Health Organization asked China to explain what was going on. The good news is it appears the cause is run-of-the-mill winter bugs. Dr. Zhou Feng Zhang is Chair of UCLA's Epidemiology Department. I, I, I think that the, the pandemic 2.0 is not there yet. That first pandemic, COVID-19, which eventually killed millions of people, started in Wuhan, China. And Chinese authorities tried to cover it up. This time, though, the WHO says China promptly handed over persuasive data showing the children were sick with known pathogens, that is, the kinds of common bacteria and viruses that occur everywhere.
9: In the United States, we also have the flu. We also have ISV, we also have a COVID-19. The vaccination is the key.
7: Chinese children may be especially vulnerable now because during the pandemic, widespread masking and lockdowns shielded them from so many bugs. Chinese doctors are now working overtime to care for this flood of small patients. But health experts say nothing at this stage suggests the rest of the world needs to worry.
12: Mysterious disease affecting the world right now, called white lung. It's uh, it's it's in China. It's in America. It's in England. And this situation coincides with renewed lockdown measures in China. Turns out, who or the World Health Organization knew about it on the twenty second of November and released a statement on it. White lung. White lung. It's a uh, it's a respiratory illness remember what happened last time with the respiratory illness let's go to the comments this situation coincides yep although an increase in infections is typical at this time of year Public Health Wales notes that this marks the most significant surge reported since 2020 you know what happened in 2020 furthermore there's 12 cases in England 12 we also have five senators calling for a travel ban to China to prevent mystery illness from spreading now, remember last time what happened when we had a travel ban we put it off for a couple of months and then all of the United States was infected so do we preemptively put in a travel ban now and quarantine the areas what do you guys think
11: is there a brand new white lung pneumonia affecting kids no not really We initially started hearing reports out of China that they were admitting a bunch of pediatric patients with pneumonia and increased respiratory illnesses. But when we actually looked at what these illnesses are, there is nothing new or novel. These are all normal expected respiratory illnesses like rhinovirus, RSV, influenza, and mycoplasma. We also started hearing about an outbreak of pneumonia in kids in Ohio. Uh, This is also just your typical viral and bacterial illnesses, strep pneumonia, mycoplasma pneumonia, rhinovirus, adenovirus. These are the things that we see every season this time last year we had our triple demic uh we had relaxed a lot of the precautions that we had been under and a lot of kids that hadn't been exposed to viral illnesses in the past um, all these pandemic babies were being exposed to rsv and flu and covid and we had a lot of kids get sick at the same time to the point that a lot of times we weren't able to have an admission bed for a pediatric patient some people were having to go two or three states away to find a pediatric bed or pediatric icu bed just because everyone was sick at the same time this is probably what's happening with china right now they're relaxing a lot of the precautions that they were previously under and now they're having their triple demic um with the viral respiratory illnesses that we have seen forever there is nothing new or novel about what's going on we will continue surveillance and monitoring of all of these cases if anything else comes up we will address that for this season to protect yourself, make sure that you have your flu shot. Flu is more than just a common cold. It can be really, really bad. If you are over 60 or pregnant, consider an RSV vaccine. Some of these pneumonia cases are being caused by a bacteria called Streptococcus pneumonia for obvious reasons. Um, we vaccinate kids for this. Um, it is the PCV vaccine, if you look at the vaccine cards. Um, adults over 65 are also recommended to get a shot. And if you are an adult that has not had a PCV vaccine, something to consider. There is no new bug going around. These are all very well-known viral and bacterial infections, and there are ways to protect yourself this season. I hope you stay safe out. A new mysterious pneumonia
13: strain has been spreading across America this week. After last week, it originated and spread all across China. A new pneumonia outbreak has already spread to 11 U.S. states. After just a few hours ago, it was only at one state. As the mysterious pneumonia outbreak continues to spread throughout China, 11 states in the United States being affected by the mysterious respiratory illness. The increase is most notably in the south central, southeast mountain, and west coast regions, the CDC reported. And according to the data collected, the CDC experts predict this year's respiratory virus season will look a lot like last year. This is currently what part of the map looks like. Green is not very many cases, red is very high, and right now it is not looking good for these southern states. On top of this new pneumonia outbreak, the U.S. faces winter syndemic. Experts say they warn of a potential winter syndemic in the U.S. as COV is expected to reach unprecedented levels combining with surges in flu, RSV, and other pathogens. If you know of anybody that needs to make sure they're aware of this, share this video with them.
14: Hi, my name is Dr. Rubin and what you are listening to is riddled with a lot of misinformation that has been circulating all over the internet right now, causing confusion and concern. I'm going to help clarify some of these issues as well as hopefully help you identify misinformation in the future. Behind me is that Twitter slash X post, whatever you want to call it, that was referenced in the original video that contains a hodgepodge of information that is unverified and it's connecting dots where dots shouldn't be connected. The post was trying to say that some mysterious pneumonia outbreak was spreading to 11 states, and this was the map that was being shown, but this is actually just the influenza map that was occurring in week 47 in the end of November. Even X, which hasn't been moderating its content as much as it had been when it was Twitter, put a tag on that post saying that this is a CDC map of influenza has nothing to do with some mysterious pneumonia outbreak. The source that was used in that post is from a site called Times Now, which I don't typically use as a verified source for public health information. I don't know if you do, but it's not something that I typically go to. But this is an example of an article from that website. In it, they talk about a novel bacterial pneumonia strain that has raised alarm bells across the world. But that's not even actually happening. and Even in this article, it contradicts itself. Later in the article, it says the WHO said it has not detected any unusual or novel pathogens. That is what's going on right now. We don't believe that there's anything new going on other than the fact that there's increased circulation of known respiratory viruses and bacteria, such as mycoplasma pneumoniae, COVID-19, adenovirus, influenza, and streptococcus pneumoniae. If you see posts like this, make sure you take a step back, look at multiple resources to verify what's going on before you amplify the information. Because every time you share that content, it will amplify that type of misinformation further, which can cause confusion and concern for people. A new mysterious pneumonia
13: strain has been spreading across America this week after last week it originated and spread all across China. A new pneumonia outbreak has already spread to 11 U.S. states after just a few hours ago it was only at one state. As the mysterious pneumonia outbreak continues to spread throughout China, 11 states in the United States being affected by the mysterious respiratory illness. The increase is most notably in the south-central, southeast mountain and west coast regions, the CDC reported. And according to the data collected, the CDC experts predict this year's respiratory virus season will look a lot like last year. This is currently what part of the map looks like. Green is not very many cases, red is very high, and right now it is not looking good for the southern states. On top of this new pneumonia outbreak, the U.S. faces winter syndemic, Experts say they warn of a potential winter syndemic in the U.S. as COV is expected to reach unprecedented levels combining with surges in flu, RSV, and other pathogens. If you know of anybody that needs to make sure they're aware of this, share this video with them.
3: Hey, Dr. Cat Epidemiologist. I have a question here if we should be worried about the pneumonia outbreak in China. I am not worried about it, and I'll give you a couple of reasons why. China had a very strict zero COVID policy for two years. They only just ended their zero COVID policy January 8th of 2023. And because of this, they're behind kind of the rest of the world with population immunity. And they haven't gone through a complete cold season yet without this zero COVID policy where they shielded everybody. We actually had this happen here in the US, where we had, remember, reports of the triple tripledemic, RSV, flu, and COVID all kind of hit at the same time after we resumed going back to work and school and businesses opened back up. So I would say this is normal based on the fact that they opened up way later than everybody else. The second reason that I'm not worried is because a lot of the people involved in this pneumonia outbreak are children. And if this were some kind of novel pathogen, we would not just see it in children, we would see it in adults too. November 23rd, the WHO said that Chinese health officials have attributed this rise in pneumonia hospitalizations to known pathogens. So all of this really does just suggest a triple due to fall viruses and opening up of society. It's important to track even known pathogens in situations like this because we don't want a situation to get out of control, but it's likely not a novel virus like what we saw in 2019.
10: Happening again, China's hospitals are filling up with patients. Almost all of them are children. Their symptoms are strikingly similar to the Wuhan virus, high fever and lung infection. There are many clusters of patients doctors say they have pneumonia, but they don't know what's causing the infection. They failed to figure out the root cause. Is this a new variant of the Wuhan virus? Is it a bacterium or a new disease altogether? As always, China is not being transparent. And I know what you're thinking. This is a repeat of 2019. It sounds like one when mysterious disease was ripping through China. First, Beijing played down the outbreak, then they concealed the truth and the result was a global pandemic, the worst of our times. Four years later, we have a new outbreak in China, one that Beijing cannot explain. So what really is happening? There is limited information as of now. We don't know exactly when the outbreak began or how many patients are in hospital. But we can tell you that the hotspot is northern China. The surge seems recent, also unexpected. Some reports say hospitals are overwhelmed and schools on the verge of a shutdown, obviously because this is affecting children. So parents in China are worried. In one instance, they were heard asking authorities if they're covering up another outbreak. So not just the rest of the world, even the people of China do not trust their government. And clearly they were not ready for this. Also, there is something strange about this outbreak, the fact that it's hitting only children. Not many adults are showing these symptoms. The number of Infected children, though, is quite high. Meanwhile, a new report is doing the rounds. It comes from a platform called ProMed. Now, ProMed is basically a surveillance system built by the International Society for Infectious Diseases. And what does ProMed do? It monitors disease outbreaks the world over. This is where a lot of doctors first learned about the Wuhan virus. ProMed had carried reports of the first cases in 2019. And now it is focusing on the new outbreak in China, and here is what it says. It has called the disease an undiagnosed pneumonia. That's what experts are also calling it, an undiagnosed pneumonia. The report also features some quotes from locals. One of them is from Beijing, from inside a children's hospital. This is what a local resident in Beijing said, and I'm quoting, many, many are hospitalized. They don't cough and have no symptoms. They just have a high temperature or fever, and many develop pulmonary nodules now you're not allowed to report to school if you have any symptoms such as fever cold cough and then you're hospitalized you can ask for leave then there are more ground reports the second one is from the Liaoning province again this is from a children's hospital it's called the Dalian Children's Hospital the situation here is quite bad locals say the hospital lobby is full of sick children they're receiving intravenous or IV drips Children are receiving IV drips in the hospital lobby. I have a quote from a hospital staffer. This is what he says. Patients have to wait in line for two hours and we are all in the emergency department and there are no general outpatient clinics. So the outbreak is large and serious. Some videos are spreading on Chinese social media. We've not been able to verify these, but they are quite shocking. It appears children are doing their classes from hospitals. Take a look at this. These are scary pictures. It's the worst sight for any parent, their child on a drip doing schoolwork. So, what are Chinese authorities doing? Last week, they held a press conference. They were officials from China's National Health Commission. And did they have any answers? I'm afraid not. They sounded clueless. They said this surge in cases is linked to pandemic restrictions. What does that mean? Let me explain. During the pandemic, China followed something called a zero-COVID policy. It was a totalitarian approach. There were mass lockdowns. Everyone had to undergo a test and patients were treated like criminals. They were picked up from their homes, sometimes by force, and they were locked up in quarantine centers. It did not work. Instead of achieving zero-COVID, China was killing its economy. So in the month of January this year, they abandoned the policy this was more than 10 months back and now Chinese experts say it led to what they're calling an immunity gap meaning people who don't have a strong immune system are falling sick children's immune systems are not well developed specific and non-specific immunity functions are not very matured including our children's relatively weak cough reflex insufficient function of respiratory motile cilia low levels of immunoglobulin of our children, which may all easily cause infection. But what is their sickness? Which disease is this, that is exclusively targeting children? Chinese officials have given a range of possibilities. It could be the Wuhan virus, influenza, respiratory syncytial virus or RSV, or a disease called mycoplasma pneumoniae. This is a common bacterial infection. It affects younger children. And China says all these diseases are in circulation right now, so it could be any of these. But they cannot say for sure what's driving the current outbreak. Now, the World Health Organization wants answers. They've asked China to share more data, including patient lab tests. Not sure if that will be enough, especially given the WHO's track record and how they handled China with kid gloves three years back. Three years have passed. We still don't know what happened in Wuhan. And now there's a new outbreak in China. The WHO is offering us more of the same. A statement of concern and a recommendation to wear masks again. It's a textbook example of the famous saying, the more things change, the more they remain the same. We can only hope that this is not one more pandemic in the making. Happening again.
2: Analyze each situation in This is a core principle. Israel is able to defend itself right now. And I think Israel will be better able to defend itself if we don't muddy the waters. And you said to me, it was American American interest. It was if American citizens got attacked, we will hit you back 10 times harder. Okay, but American citizens were. So that's what makes this conflict difficult. Is Israel able to take care of that job? If American targets are hit as American targets, right? Let's say they know they're hitting us on an American base, that's a direct hit on the United but States. But if Americans America.
4: get killed in Israel,
2: well, if Americans or get, get kidnapped
4: and taken uh, hostage by Hamas. We need
2: to we, well right now You don't though, see any I would prioritize getting those American hostages out. That is a top priority. For me. I it is a top priority for me. American now, military? Now right now, let's just let's be tethered to the facts as they exist. They've been releasing hostages two at a time. There's reports yesterday of Hamas willing to do a deal. For American hostages to be released. But
4: deal apparently collapsed, which is why the Israelis have started the ground. So if, I'm, so if I'm commander-in-chief,
2: my top focus, and there's a lot of levers here, but you prioritize what matters, getting American hostages home, top priority. So you would just send... Getting Amer- sons and daughters... So just to clarify,
4: you yeah. would send
2: American troops in to get the hostages? I would not take an option off the table in a limited way to protect Americans. Right. But you to said protect to me, Americans. But, and America first includes all Americans. you
4: did say earlier that you would not want to send any American military into their situation. I don't want US military involvement in somebody else's war. You just said that you'd send troops in to get the hostages? American
2: hostages. Only the American hostages? Special Forces targeted at, But, Piers, you're paying attention to the uh, negotiations I trust. There are very clear delineations that Hamas has drawn right now for releasing civilian hostages no, no, but, of other nations. But just to clarify, and so, and to so clarify, yeah. for this,
4: I mean, you're not seriously suggesting that you would send in American troops down to get hostages. Special but only, forces or otherwise, but, negotiators. Only, but literally only get American hostages
2: rather than, say, Israeli hostages the the only condition under which we will have shown up there was because they hold american hostages right but the, if, but but if again, we're there we're going to do the best deal I'm, we can to to, to advance american interests, which includes releasing Israeli But i hostages. would
4: say this inconsistency to what you've now been saying about this because you started by saying we should have no military involvement in this whatsoever. I, what i have said
2: pierce at every step i'll bring you back the north star mm. what advances the american interest right. that will be my prism that's different in different situations mm. But the question is, what advances the American interest? And to me, the America First agenda includes all Americans. Ironic and sad about the United States
8: is that we're quick to label groups like Hamas hospitalized terrorists. Well, why, why are they terrorist groups? Well, they don't have, they're not an organized army. They're not a state. They don't have aircraft. They don't have tanks. They don't have air defense systems. Well, you know what? This country, America, was founded by a group of terrorists. They didn't have air defense systems they didn't have our you know they eventually got artillery but you're fighting with militia you're fighting with people that did not have they were up against the largest army in the world at the time the british army and they had to fight with guerrilla tactics fought with terrorist tactics, ambushing and doing things that were not conventional military doctrine you know our country was born out of that and from the standpoint of the palestinians whether we like it or not They perceive what Israel is as a conquering, occupying power in much the same way that we in the United States viewed the British as an occupying power that needed to be expelled. We expelled them and we celebrated every 4th of July, hey, let's hear it for insurrection. We celebrate that. When when we see other people trying to throw off foreign oppressors, because that's what the Israelis are with respect to the Palestinians, they're foreign oppressors, they're occupying land, that belongs to the people who lived there before, the Palestinians. And, you know, they're, they're trying to fight back. And when they fight back, it gets labeled as terror. And they therefore are worthy of no support. Um, that's why I, I come back. We have got to come up with something that's not a military solution that, that requires people to step back. And let's start with the foundation of having minimal respect for each other. But that means you're going to have to replace leadership. Replace leadership both in Hamas and, and within the Israeli government of people who can actually step back and think sanely and rationally. And there are those people. There are organizations where you have uh, Israeli fathers and Palestinian fathers who have each lost children who've united and joined together to raise voices, trying to reach out for common sense. So there, there's hope there. There's still humanity out there.
15: I'ma keep it like an island boy. I'ma keep
0: it like an island boy. I'm Twitch on to m And I'm an island boy. I'ma keep it
15: like an island boy. And I'm an island boy. I'm Twitch on to m And I'm an island boy. I'ma
0: keep it like an island boy. These streets keep calling me. They don't want me to leave the life behind. Staring at stars wishing I had time. Well, my kids need food and my girl needs me. And sometimes I dream that I'm finally free. So baby, don't play me, I ain't no toy. I'm a prisoner here, but I still make noise. And I'm to shout that I'm it with all my boys. I'm a it now, but one day I'll be an island boy. I'm, I'm just trying to make it, I'm, I'm an, an, an island boy. boy. I'm to keep it like a island boy. Boy. I'm I'm an, an island boy,
11: boy. I'm, I'm an, an island boy. boy.
16: Y'all, stop what you're doing we have some breaking news coming out of the united nations where uh the secretary general antonio guterres has invoked article 99 of the un charter i'm going to let you watch this brief announcement and then i'm going to actually read the letter uh that was issued to the un security council
2: uh given the scale of the loss of human life in gaza and in israel such a short amount of time, the Secretary General has today delivered a letter to the President of the Security Council, invoking Article 99 of the Charter of the United Nations. This is the first time that Antonio Guterres has done this since he became Secretary General in 2017. Article 99 states, and I quote, that the Secretary General may bring to the attention of the Security Council any matter in his opinion that may threaten the maintenance of international peace and security. In the letter, which has been shared with you, the secretary general urges the members of the Security Council to press to avert a humanitarian catastrophe, and he appeals for a humanitarian ceasefire to be declared.
16: In this letter addressed to the President and Security Council, the man with like quite literally six names, Uh, Guterres writes, Dear Mr. President, I'm writing under Article 99 of the United Nations Charter to bring the attention to the Security Council, a matter which, in my opinion, may aggravate existing threats to the maintenance of international peace and security. More than eight weeks of hostilities in Gaza and Israel have created appalling human suffering, physical destruction, and collective trauma across Israel and the occupied Palestinian territory. More than 1200 people were brutally killed, including 33 children, and thousands were injured in the abhorrent acts of terror by Hamas and other Palestinian armed groups on October 7, Which I have repeatedly condemned some 250 people were abducted including 34 children more than 130 of whom are still captive they may they they must be immediately and unconditionally released accounts of sexual violence during the acts are appalling civilians throughout gaza face grave danger since the start of israel's military occupation more than 15,000 people have reportedly been killed over 40 percent of whom are children thousands of others have been injured more than half a million excuse me more than half of all homes have been destroyed some 80 percent of the population of 2.2 million has been forcibly displaced into increasingly smaller areas. More than 1.1 million people have sought refuge in UNRWA facilities across Gaza, creating overcrowded, undignified, and unhygienic conditions. Others have nowhere to shelter and find themselves on the street. Explosive remnants of war are rendering areas uninhabitable. There is no effective protection of civilians." The healthcare system in Gaza is collapsing. Hospitals have turned into battlegrounds. Only 14 uh, hospitals out of 36 facilities are even partially functional. The two major hospitals in South Gaza are operating at three times their bed capacity and are running out of basic supplies and fuel. They are also sheltering thousands of displaced persons under these circumstances. More people will die untreated in the coming days and weeks. Nowhere is safe in Gaza amid constant bombardment by the Israeli Defense Force and without shelter or the essentials to survive, I expect public order to completely break down soon due to the desperate conditions, rendering even limited humanitarian assistance impossible. An even worse situation could unfold, including epidemic diseases and increased pressure for mass displacement into neighboring countries. In Resolutions 2712 from 2023, the Security Council calls for the scaling up of the provisions of such supplies to meet the humanitarian needs of the civilian population, especially children. Mm-hmm. The current conditions are making it impossible for meaningful humanitarian operations to be conducted. We are nevertheless preparing options for monitoring the implementation of the resolution, even if we recognize that in present circumstances, that is untenable. While delivery of supplies through Rafa crossing, uh, Rafa continues, quantities are insufficient and have dropped since the pause came to an end. We are simply unable to reach those in need inside Gaza. The capacity of the United Nation and its humanitarian partners has been decimated by supply shortages, lack of fuel, interrupted communications, and growing insecurity. Humanitarian personnel have joined the vast majority of Gazan civilians in evacuating to South Gaza ahead of advanced military operations. At least 130 UNRWA colleagues have been killed, many with their families. We are facing a severe risk of collapse of the humanitarian system, the situation is fast deteriorating into catastrophe with potentially irreversible implications for Palestinians as a whole and for peace and security in the region. Such an outcome must be avoided at all costs. The international community has a responsibility to use all its influence to prevent further escalations and end this crisis. I urge the members of Security Council to press to avert a humanitarian catastrophe. I reiterate my appeal for humanitarian ceasefire to be declared. This is urgent. The civilian population must be spared from greater harm. With a humanitarian ceasefire, the means of survival can be restored and humanitarian assistance can be delivered in a safe and timely manner across the Gaza Strip. Please accept, Mr. President, the assurances of my highest consideration. A couple things I want to point out, right? Number one, the Security Council resolution that was passed um, in early November 2023 has been completely and totally contravened by Israel. Security Council resolutions are binding. They are legally binding and must be adhered to. And the fact that Israel ignored it is actually very important because there is processes that have to be followed under the United Nations Charter, uh, meaning there are steps that have to happen first. So diplomatic resolutions prior to there being Security Council resolutions, and only in the event that diplomatic resolutions uh, to kind of foster peace break down, that is when it does become the responsibility of a Security Council to now pass a binding resolution. In this case would be a ceasefire. The other really Important thing I want to point out is that specifically he mentions under Article 99 of the UN Charter, um, bringing attention to the Security Council of a matter that may aggravate existing threats to the maintenance of international peace and security, along with the mention about the situation fast deteriorating into a catastrophe with potentially irreversible implications for Palestinians as a whole, and for peace and security in the region is very, very important to understand or read between the lines. Because what he is saying is that due to the inaction of the Security Council and due to the inaction of Israel to abide by the uh, resolution that was already passed, as well as all of the ongoing and continuing deterioration inside of, the, uh, inside of Gaza Strip, as well as inside of Israel in the West Bank in Jerusalem with the violence continuing there, there is now a very, very, very real threat of there being uh, issues and uh, problems with maintaining international peace and security, meaning that um, time is running out before other countries and other groups intervene into the situation with force to end what is happening here those of you who don't understand the significance of this, so invoking um, Article 99 is widely considered to be the most powerful diplomatic tool at his disposal. It is just very, very rare for a secretary general for this article to be invoked. It's the equivalent of pushing the panic button. So it gives him the authority to call for a Security Council meeting for any topic that he views as a threat to international peace and security. He's doing this as a majority of council members have expressed support for humanitarian ceasefire. However, the can- council has not invoked this resolution. Why? Well, because the U.S. has been very clear in its opposition. Um, as a veto-wielding member, as recently as yesterday, the U.S. said it did not believe such resolution would help the situation. It instead called for continued negotiations, which is clearly working oh so well for the Palestinian civilians who are dying by the thousands each day. So what you're seeing here from U.N. officials and delegations uh, is a full court press to try to get a ceasefire and some relief for the people of Gaza. Um, Attempts are underway to break the logjam and help the Gaza Gaza Palestinians who are suffering immensely. And I do want to mention that when I Googled U.N. Secretary General invokes Article 99, not a single solitary Western mainstream news organization came up throughout the entire first page. Look at this. Not a single Western news outlet reporting on this. Teletrader is reporting on this. You would think with something as important and rare as the actual secretary general of the UN invoking Article 99 of the UN Charter, you would think with news coming out, breaking news like that, you would have at least one major Western news organization covering that but you do not do with that information what you will but I would highly encourage people to share this information especially if you live in a Western nation share this information and get it out there because without the voices in social media uh, people like me people like you sharing this on our social media this information will not get out there Hell, based off of my experience on TikTok this far, I am absolutely expecting this video to be shadow banned. Sit at zero views for at least two to five hours. Like I said, call to action, share this information, share what's going on, uh, like my account.
7: Jeremiah 51, 35. The violence done to me and to my flesh be upon Babylon shall the inhabitants of Zion say, and my blood upon the inhabitants of Chaldea shall Jerusalem say. This event proves Israel's aren't Israelis due to them not fitting on any Israelite related prophecies.
0: Bible calls our oppressor the deceiver because he has lied to the entire earth. He has lied to the entire earth about the people in the Bible. Many people today have completely discarded the Bible. Many people today don't even trust the Bible. I'll tell you why. Because we've been taught to associate the Bible with Christianity. We've been taught to associate the Bible with the church when we never knew that the Bible speaks against Christianity. The Bible speaks against the church. The Bible speaks against all religion. The Bible has nothing to do with religion. This is why the Bible calls the oppressor the devil because he deceived the earth into believing lies about the people in the book. I don't know if you know this, but the Bible is not a book talking to all people. The Bible is not a book for all people. Once again, you believe that because of what you were taught in church or what you were taught by Christians. Even if you've never been to church, our community is inherently Christian. The ideologies, the philosophies, they're Christian. If you believe that God loves everybody, that is a Christian ideology. That is not found in the Bible, however. That is not a biblical stance. That's not biblical. God does not love everybody. We were taught that the people in the Bible were not us. Were the people that looked like this. Here's how you know the brainwashing of Christianity is so strong. When you're reading the Bible in your own time, try to see what images are you picturing? Because of course, when you read any book, your mind visualizes the words. Your mind puts images to the words you're reading. That's with any book. So now when you read the Bible on your own time, just be real cognizant of what people are you visualizing. Go read about Christ and his disciples. Go read about Moses, go read about Ezra and Nehemiah. As you're reading about these people in the Bible, be cognizant of who are you visualizing? Are you visualizing people that look like us? Or are you visualizing people that look like this? And that should tell you how strong the brainwashing of white supremacy is in our minds. And Christianity has been the number one factor in the confusion in our communities. And that's why we have to first
15: start with getting rid of the ideologies, getting rid of the things we were taught. You understand? So verse 14 and it reads, these shall make war with the lamb and the lamb shall overcome them for he is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. So here we see NATO and the EU will make war with the lamb as it is reiterated in Revelations 19 and 20. And as we went over earlier, when this happens, the entire beast system controlled by the Edomites will be destroyed. So verse 15 in the Reads, And he saith unto me, The waters which thou sawest, where the whore sitteth, are peoples, and multitudes, and nations, and tongues. So here we are told the waters that Mystery Babylon will sit on represents people. And this came to fruition due to the U.S. using its military presence to establish authority all over the world.
2: The U.S. is easily the most powerful country to have ever existed. And it certainly spends more on its military budget than any other country does today. That's all pretty well known. But less well known is the fact that the U.S. has around 800 military bases around the globe. This map can't even show that many dots. These are just 200 or so dots to give you an idea of where these bases are clustered. These bases are everything from massive military compounds to small airstrips in the middle of the ocean. If you combine all the foreign bases that every other nation has outside of its own borders, you get a total of about 30. There's never been a country with such a massive global presence.
15: Through this military presence, the U.S. has become the first nation to have an influence all over the earth, whether it be positive or negative. Now, verse 16, and it reads, And the ten horns which thou sawest on the beast, these shall hate the whore, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh, and burn her with fire. The ten horns turning against the whore is a representation of Spain, Portugal, France, Britain, Austria, Italy, Luxembourg, Switzerland. Belgium and the Netherlands turning against the U.S. And one look into France-U.S. relations will prove this prophecy is slowly being fulfilled. Will France become the first
16: European country to join BRICS? Well, as it turns out, it may be a possibility. France just openly expressed interest to join the alliance and asked for an official invitation to its next meeting.
15: In the end, these ten nations will betray NATO join the BRICS alliance, and help destroy the U.S. with nuclear missiles. And this is why the verse above says they shall hate the whore and burn her with fire. So verse 17, and it reads, For Yahweh hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will, and to agree, and give their kingdom unto the beast, and to the words of Yahweh shall be fulfilled. So for those who claim the Father doesn't cause destruction, here we see that the Father, Yahweh, orchestrated the rise and fall of this beast system in order to destroy it, which will bring his words to fruition. This is why the Western European world allowed itself to be subject to the will of the U.S. And now that NATO and the EU are turning against the U.S., we know that the words of the Father, Yahweh, which were spoken against Babylon, will soon be fulfilled. Now verse 18, and it reads, And the woman which thou sawest is the great city, which reigned over the kings of the earth. Now at this point we should know this is another reiteration of Mystery Babylon's influence. With this being said, this prophecy began by making Mystery Babylon a subject matter, and in the process we learned Mystery Babylon would lead the new beast system while being the most influential nation on earth, which helped expose the US for being Mystery Babylon we later found out the new beast system would be controlled by descendants of rome which further babylon's connections to the u.s due to their elites being descendants of rome while leading this beast system and we ended with the betrayal of the nato alliance which will lead to the destruction of the u.s so in the end mystery babylon has to be the u.s this is the only nation that fits the prophecies concerning Mystery Babylon, and even if we don't acknowledge its position in Revelations 13 and Revelation 17, we can't deny the spiritual connection between the U.S. and Ancient Babylon, which further exposes the U.S. for what it is, as we have exposed in many videos the US has forwarded many Babylonian traditions. For example, Easter celebrates the Babylonian deity Ishtar, and Christmas is a pagan festival that pays homage to the Babylonian king Nimrod and the mother he was forced to marry. And both of these were forwarded the most by the US, which has successfully established truths throughout the earth since its inception. But of course, there will be those who claim this breakdown was biased. So before we end this video, let's hear someone else's interpretation. Well, Well,
2: Babylon always promises the same thing. Whatever iteration she takes, of course, if you're in 96 A.D., that's Rome. If you're, and here goes back to wonky or janky interpretations of Revelation. If you've got a bad lens by which you approach the book, then the United States is city on a hill. That's about, but if you're reading it honestly, right? This isn't some reference to Russia or China. Like this is about us. Hmm. Like, like the U.S. is just as much Babylon. Her culture just as much says, you want all your sensuality satisfied, come to me. Don't worship Jesus, come to me. Y- you want comfort, don't worship, come to me. Y- you-, you want all your, you come to me, you want your best life now, you come to me. That's the lie of Babylon.
15: So to wrap this up, the U.S. is the one nation we can truly call Mystery Babylon. And even if you refuse to believe it, this land will eventually be destroyed for its role in history, as it is foretold throughout the entirety of the Bible. Lord willing whoever had ears to hear was for the edified shalom so first maccabees 4 and 1 and it reads then took george's five thousand footmen and a thousand of the best horsemen and removed out of the camp by night to the end he might rush in upon the camp of the jews and smite them suddenly and the men of the fortress were his guides. now when judas heard thereof, he himself removed and the valiant men with him that he might smite the king's army which was at Emmaus while as yet the forces were dispersed from the camp in the mean season came George's by night into the camp of Judas and when he found no man there he sought him in the mountains for he said these fellows flee from us but as soon as it was day Judas showed himself in the plain with three thousand men who nevertheless had neither armor nor swords to their minds and they saw the camp of the heathen that it was strong and well-harnessed encompassed and round about with horsemen and these were expert of war Then Judas said to the men that were with him, Fear ye not their multitude, neither be ye afraid of their assault. Remember how our fathers were delivered in the Red Sea, when Pharaoh pursued them with an army. Now therefore, let us cry unto heaven. If preadventure the Lord will have mercy upon us, and remember the covenant of our fathers, and destroy this host before our face this day. That so all the heathen may know that there is one who delivereth and saveth Israel. Then the strangers lifted up their eyes, and saw them coming over against them. Wherefore they went out of the camp to battle, but they that were with Judas sounded their trumpets. So they joined battle, and the heathen being discomfited fled into the plain. Now, let's jump ahead to the conclusion of the story. So first Maccabees 4 and 28, and it reads, The next year therefore following, Lysias gathered together three square thousand choice men of foot, and five thousand horsemen that he might subdue them. So they came into Adumia and pitched their tents at Bethsur, and Judas met them with 10,000 men. And when he saw that mighty army, he prayed and said, Bless art thou, O Savior of Israel, who didst quell the violence of the mighty man by the hand of thy servant David, and gave us the host of strangers into the hands of Jonathan, the son of Saul, and his armor bearer. Shut up this army in the hand of thy people Israel, and let them be confounded in their power and horsemen make them to be of no courage and cause the boldness of their strength to fall away and let them quake at their destruction cast them down with the sword of them that love thee and let all those that know thy name praise thee with thanksgiving so they joined battle and there were slain of the hosts of Lysias about five thousand men even before them were they slain now when Lysias saw his army put to flight and the manliness of Judas's soldiers and how they were ready to either live or die valiantly he went into Antioch and gathered together a company of strangers, and having made his army better than it was, he proposed to come again into Judea. Now at this moment, Judas proceeds to cleanse the sanctuary in his land, rebuilding the altar that was profaned in the process. But with that being said, let's move forward and continue. Now, first Maccabees 452, and it reads now on the five and 20th day of the ninth month, which is called the month of Kislev, in the 148th year, they rose up at times in the morning. And offer sacrifice according to the law upon the new altar of burnt offerings which they had made. Look. At what time and what day the heathen had profaned it? Even in that was it dedicated with songs, and cithers, and harps, and cymbals. Then all the people fell upon their faces, worshipping and praising the Yahweh of heaven who had given them good success. And so they kept the dedication of the altar eight days and offered burnt offerings with gladness, and sacrificed the sacrifice of deliverance and prayers. They decked also the forefront of the temple with crowns, and with shields, and the gates of the chambers they renewed, and hanged doors upon them. Thus was there very great gladness among the people, for that the reproach of the heathen was put away. Moreover, Judas and his brethren with the whole congregation of Israel ordained that the days of the dedication of the altar should be kept in their season from year to year by the space of eight days, from the five and twentieth day of the month, Casselelu, with mirth and gladness. So after celebrating this first feast of dedication, Judas and his brethren still had many battles in their future. And though Judas was a valiant man, he was not invincible. After many battles, victories and celebrations amongst his brethren and people, Judas would eventually rest with his father. But instead of succumbing to old age, Judas died due to his army not trusting in the father, as it is recorded in 1 Maccabees 9 and 17. Even so, his brother Jonathan would rise in his place, avenging his brother's death by continuing in his legacy, as it is recorded in 1 Maccabees 9 and 31. Then they try to kill me.
5: So what happened after that? How did you escape? How did I escape? You know how I escaped. I fought my up out
0: of
15: there. I hit about five dudes, knocked about three bitches down. This is a true history of Hanukkah, also known as the Feast of Dedication. So in short, Hanukkah is a feast of dedication to the Father. And we do this to thank him for delivering our people from the rise of the Hede under the leadership of Judas Maccabeus, which led to the cleansing of the sanctuary and temple and the rebuilding of the altar. This feast is an eight-day feast, and based off the times given in the story, it should be celebrated December 7th, 5 p.m. to December 15th, 5 p.m. During this time, many Israelites give gifts to their families and friends and light candles on a seven-branch menorah every day at 5, which brings us to the customs of Hanukkah. Second Maccabees 10 and 6 shows Hanukkah is celebrated similar to the Feast of Tabernacles, which means the first and last days should start with the Holy Convocation at 5. Furthermore, It's become tradition to light a candle on a seven branch manure, but there are eight days of Hanukkah, which is why on the last day, me and my family light all seven candles. Now, as for gifts, in my family, we give the smallest gifts first. And as the days continue, the gifts become more valuable and expensive. We do this to force the children to play with and appreciate the less exciting gifts. And this makes them appreciate day six and seven even more, which is when I tend to bring out the game systems and things of that nature.
0: Get in the car. Get your ass in the car. well here y'all my top home sweet home the hood all right little fella say hello to these people for me and tell them when you see them that Leonard Washington is glad they made it out go on go on
15: goodbye and if you need money sell rocks I heard that's what they do around here if we can we try to eat good the first and last day and we wrap the oven up with a prayer of thanks to the father for allowing us to celebrate another Hanukkah in whatever ways we could but remember This is how my family celebrates, and it doesn't mean you have to follow our formula. I'm just giving an example of what I do because I didn't have a congregation to teach me these things when I first came into faith, but instead relied on the Father to develop my family's traditions. So I decided to share my method, and hopefully my formula will help someone else in the same position today. With that being said, now that we've addressed Hanukkah, it's history and everything that comes with it. Let's compare it to the cheap imitation, better known as Christmas. Just like every other year we are now approaching one of the most wicked heathen traditions to ever exist and this will be none other than the heathen tradition known as christmas and just like every other year there will be thousands of hebrew israelites trying to explain why christmas shouldn't be celebrated but of course most of this will fall on deaf ears you probably don't know this because you know
13: jesus wasn't born on the 25th of December, that was piggybacked off a of pagan festival,
2: and guess what? Six and a half hours later
13: You know what Chelsea? I think
15: you should jump Even so This won't stop the Lord's people from spreading the truth. And we do this in order to pull the few who are willing to learn out of the world before they have no time to repent, as it is written in Isaiah 55 and 6 through 7. Moving forward, though Christmas is the most recognized event during this time, it is not the only event. Starting December 7th at sundown to December 15th at sundown, the Feast of Dedication will take place. And for those who don't know what this is, you've probably heard of Hanukkah, which is the modern name for the Feast of Dedication. For those who aren't familiar with the day, Hanukkah is a Hebrew Israelite custom, which means it was celebrated by the ancestors of blacks, natives, and Latinos, but even so, Hanukkah is highly disregarded among Blacks, Natives, and Latinos due to it being associated with the impostors in Israel today. And to make matters worse, most Blacks, Natives, and Latinos will laugh at their own people for celebrating this event while placing Christmas on a pedestal simply because it's popular among the heathen. Can, can we rewind it back to the I'm lame part? Because you are not. No, thanks. No, yeah, I appreciate it. I'm not saying I'm lame, but I'm just just saying But it's just the like, self-talk
7: maybe we should... You yeah, know, listen... Because uh... you're you're amazing. Just to take it in for a minute.
15: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can tell you You are amazing.
7: I can take that. You are amazing.
15: Thank you. Yeah. Will you say it? No, I kind of needed to hear that. Thank you. And due to this being the case, today I've decided to compare the history of Hanukkah and Christmas. In doing so, we will prove Hanukkah is better than Christmas in every way, shape, form, and fashion. And Lord willing, whoever has ears to hear is further edified. So when we look up the word Hanukkah, we are instantly told it's the Jewish Festival of Lights. But by now, many know the true Hebrew Israelites are not those found in Israel today. But instead are the blacks, natives, and Latinos who were scattered throughout the world during slavery, as it was foretold in Jeremiah 24:9. This will make Hanukkah a black, native, and Latino tradition. And when we read the history behind this event, we will see that it's a history that can only fit blacks, natives, and Latinos. But let's dig deep. Hanukkah is first recorded in the first and second book of Maccabees, and this is an issue due to the Maccabean era being found in the Apocrypha text, which is banning Judaism altogether. This means they should not accept anything that comes from the Apocrypha, yet they chose to accept Hanukkah, proving they don't really know the history of the people they claim to descend from. Moving forward, the history of Hanukkah starts with an Israelite man by the name of Mattathias. First Maccabees 2 and 1 shows Mattathias was a priest, making him a Levite of the Southern Kingdom. In 1st Maccabees 2 and 2 through 5 shows Mattathias had five sons, which were Joannan, Simon, Eleazar, Jonathan, and Judas. Mattathias raised his children towards the end of the Seleucid Empire, which was a Greek power in West Asia during the Hellenistic period. And this empire oppressed the Israelites until the inception of the Roman Empire, as it is recorded in 1st Maccabees 8 and 17 through 18. And this oppression was endured until Mattathias and his five sons chose to revolt for the prosperity of the Lord's law, as it is recorded in 1st Maccabees 2 and 27. Moving forward, to make this more fluent, we won't be calling out every verse shown at the top of the screen. This won't be a permanent theme, but due to the amount of referencing this lesson requires, I've decided to do things slightly different for this video. But let's get back on subject. Mattathias' revolt led to an armed conflict between the southern kingdom of Israel and the Grecians, who sought to rule over them. And as the years stretched, Mattathias grew old and eventually died. But before this, he made sure to bless his children, telling them to remember the acts of their fathers as they went to war with the heathen around them. In doing so, he made Judas the captain of his brothers. And 1 Maccabees 3 and 1 through 2, shows these brothers immediately went out to continue to fight for their people. Which brings us to the acts of Judas Maccabeus. Judas was arguably one of the greatest war-era kings in the history of Israel without being crowned. And though he shared the same name as the man that would betray the Messiah, Yahweh during the height of the Roman era, he did not share the same characteristics. Instead, Judas was highly valued among his people and fought for the name and law of the Lord. For example, 1 Maccabees 3 and 4, and it reads, In his acts he was like a lion, and like a lion's whip roaring for his prey. For he pursued the wicked and sought them out, and burnt up those that vexed his people. Wherefore the wicked shrunk for the fear of him, and all the workers of iniquity were troubled, because salvation prospered in his hand. So here we see Judas was a leader in righteousness, and though he was never crowned, he played the role of every king that came before him in protecting our people. Even when situations seemed bad for him and his soldiers, he constantly put his trust in the Lord, earning him many victories on the battlefield. For example, 1 Maccabees 3 13, and it reads, Now when Saran, a prince of the army of Syria, heard that Judas had gathered unto him a multitude and company of the faithful to go out with him to war. He said, I will get me a name and honor in the kingdom, for I will go out and fight with Judas and them that are with him who despise the king's commandment. So he made him ready to go up, and there went with him a mighty host of the ungodly to help him and to be avenged of the children of Israel. And when he came near to the going up of Betharon, Judas went forth to meet him with a small company. who. When they saw the host coming to meet them, said unto Judas, How shall we be able, being so few, to fight against so great a multitude and so strong, seeing we are ready to faint with fasting all this day? Unto whom Judas answered, It is no hard matter for many to be shut up in the hands of a few, and with the Yahweh of heaven it is all one, to deliver with a great multitude or with a small company. For the victory of battle standeth not in the multitude of an host, but strength cometh from heaven. They come against us in much pride and iniquity to destroy us and our wives and our children, and to spoil us. But we fight for our lives and for our laws. Wherefore the Lord himself will overthrow them before our face, and as for you, be ye not afraid of them. Now as soon as he had left out speaking, he leapt suddenly upon them, and so Saran and his host was overthrown before him. Now this is how you show you have trust in the Father. Here we see a man with a small army stand before thousands, and instead of running like most men would today, this man relied on the father, Yahweh and proceeded to put in the work to protect this people. Furthermore, this trust in the Lord led him to be victorious in battle, which is exactly what happens when you trust the Most High, as it is written in Ecclesiastes 2 and 10. But let's keep it pushing. Eventually, the Seleucid Empire will be governed by a man named Lysias, due to the current king leaving the region for a time, as it is recorded in 1 Maccabees 3 and 32. And like his predecessors, Lysias fought for the destruction of Jerusalem, Judas, and those who follow him. Which led to Lysias making four men captains over his army Ptolemy, Dormines, Nicanor, and Georgius, all of which were told to destroy the southern kingdom, as it is recorded in 1 Maccabees 3 and 38, which brings us to the next event of the story.
5: I study the Bible so I know it well. Yeah, can't let nobody make myself a self. Can't even lie, yeah, I still struggle, but I know myself. I fear God, I told him I don't wanna go to hell. Pray for the sermon, I'll be asking, What's the gift in me? Must be this music, cause the world think I'm so sick with it. I switch my style, some people love it, some tryna get with it. I think what matters most is I'm living out what's God written. I make mistakes, but I embrace them. I'm still human. I'm still human. I escape from that place that made me for ruin. I so every day I still chase what I think I'm losing and pray to God in the end that I don't look stupid. Why do I feel I'm unable? Double-minded, I'm unstable. Wanna put all me on the table so God can make me an angel Was living life like Cain cause I was jealous of Abel. God told me, look up, child, I just wanna save you. I need to hear your voice in life so I could get through this. For you, I shoot for the stars every time and I don't miss. Every time I drop a hit, I still don't feel the bliss. And deep down, I know it's only cause I'm still living in sin. You transformed my pen, they laughed at me, now I'm laughing with them. Transform my gifts so now I Can't even rap with him. I need to use my talents, cause the devil be distracting him.